0: mentioned last week that Paul has more. There's more. And this week he tells us how that more gets to us. When Paul says to the Ephesians that there's more of God for them, he doesn't do it by telling them to work harder. (laughs) He doesn't start with them at all. He starts with a prayer he directs his passion for the Ephesians into a prayer for the Ephesians. He wants the Ephesians to more God, more he wants the Ephesians to know more of God. So he prays to God about that. I keep asking. He prays a lot. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ we give you the Spirit. There's a subtle but powerful shift here. It's subtle, so subtle you can almost miss it. But it's powerful shift in how we think about thinking we go to school we study we get graded on our knowledge usually the object of our study is inert just sitting there like the crayfish we're dissecting or the frog or whatever or the mathematical formula right we're looking at and we're the center of figuring it out. And we work really hard to figure it out. We read books. We dive into gritty car engines and we memorize a skeletal system. We study in groups. We figure it all out. We could say we live our entire lives centered on our capacity to figure it all out. And at times, this is exhilarating. And other times, it is exhausting. And exasperating. Sometimes we come to the end of ourselves in the journey to figure it out. When Gracie was a baby, who's she's now twelve, but she was a baby a little bit ago, which is like size. And we got know oh, If you remember this, Gracie, we got you a little mat with a little jungle thing that she could look a little canopy and it had these little tubes that tied over and held these animals that she could play with and talk to basically a mat with trees and stuff and there was a monkey and a pelican and grace would grab them and talk to them well i had to build this thing now i am not mechanical at all you find this when i when i had my psych evaluation to be a pastor the psychologist at one point looked up at me and said stay away from mechanical things (laughs) so i'm not a guy i was never going to be a Boeing or like that i knew a lot of engineers in college but I was not. I was a Journalism and American Studies major in college. But God bless all engineers building the world. Um, Well, this thing was not a 777, but it was a mat with tubes and stuff to figure out. So I had to figure it out. And I assumed in this thing that the batteries would be at the top of the unit of this little mat thing, right, with the lights and everything. And I pulled it apart looked at it, and there was no room for the batteries where I thought they would be. For the life of me, I remember I could not figure out where the batteries went in this contraption, and it bothered me and it racked my brain. How does this thing work? I can't figure it out. I took a break, I stepped back from it. I really wanted Gracie to have those cool lights on the top of the thing. And then I started removing screws random places and started stripping screws and then little bits of plastic came off and I was worried because I have mild mild to moderate OCD and I'm a germaphobe and I was worried now I'm going to get shards of plastic where my daughter can get them now. I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do? And tried to clean up a little bit. Then it dawned on me, the giraffe. Check the giraffe. There was this little giraffe on the side of it. And I looked inside the giraffe's torso Lo and behold, there was a compartment for three C batteries. I found it. Popped it open, installed the batteries, one, two, three. Gracie had her lights and music. All is right with the world. What a night. The road toward figuring stuff out, toys out. Uh, Can be a long, tortured one, right? I wonder... (coughs) this. In the course of figuring out how that toy worked, what if the toy itself had been alive? What if that giraffe had been able to talk to me? Say, Psst, hey, over here. Check out my belly. It goes in my belly. That's where the, that's where the batteries go. What if, if what I was trying to understand had been alive, I would have been able to see, in the, tr- see the truth faster because the thing itself would have helped me understand it. How cool if that giraffe could have talked to me. Well, of course, the giraffe didn't talk to me, but, um, and I was left to myself. Have you ever tried to figure God out? Ever tried to put it all together in your faith and, and sometimes you can see it and sometimes you can't and sometimes you get it and sometimes you lose it and sometimes the pit is too deep and the emotions are too strong and it overwhelms you. Sometimes you can't get there on your own. I think, it was, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, it's amazing that anybody ever believed in God in a world without morphine. You know? How we could get there in and of ourselves, it's too much. The pain is too much. Sometimes. Sometimes we see it, you know, the starry nights, the moonlit, oh, there's God. Other times when you're in the pit, you're in the swamp, you can't get there. How does this go together? Paul's prayer <clears throat> is everything here. He prays that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. This knowing of himself, this more that is there for us, is a gift he wants to give us. Now, of course, it doesn't mean there's, we're inert and we're passive. There's nothing for us to do. He's giving us a gift to work with in our lives, in the, in the disciplines His Spirit enables us to live into. And so, it's not for us to rely on our ability to naturally crawl up to God on our own, but to our core, we need Him to give us the gift of knowing Himself, And that is freeing because it means there's no place I can go where God can't reach me even if I can't figure it out. Lord, enlighten my heart here in the ER, here in what I can hardly even pray, here when I'm having a bad day, not just when I'm at the mountaintop. Lord, enlighten my heart. And there's three things that Paul highlights here in our text in verses 18 and 19, among many others, I'm sure. But three highlights he hones in on. Hope, God wants to give us the gift of hope. God wants to help us with the gift of recognizing his people as his riches, and God wants us to be swept up in his resurrecting power. First, the hope. You know, I don't know about you, but it is, there's a lot of rage out there, a lot of fury, and if you watch media and, and uh, news, there's, so much, there's good, there's lots of good, but there's lots of negative stimuli, and it can be hard to have hope. The pandemic's receding, we hope, but you never know our society is built on things that uh, we hope hold up we hope those 401ks hold up we hope all that maybe maybe not but when we allow the spirit to enlighten our hearts we have ultimate assurance our hopes and earthly things are going to wane and going to go up and down the market's is going to fluctuate right but with that gift paul prays for to give us the part of the more that god has for us is to be people of hope no matter what hope is part of the vocation of the christian life it's part of our calling we are people of hope it's like in the lord of the rings when the the bad guys the orcs are about to attack the city and someone comes to aragorn and he says there's always hope and he says this is a good sword you know it's a great scene there's always hope you know there's always hope. Why? Not because we can climb out and get there and conjure it ourselves, because God always wants to give it to us. God is always there to give it to us. Pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. It is always there. Hope is always there. Doesn't mean we, our fears and worries aren't there too, they're just never all there is. Having hope as a Christian doesn't mean play, pretending that things aren't scary when they are. It's having hope as a Christian is saying, I'm scared about that but I'm gonna hope anyway in God. I'm gonna trust anyway in God, not because I get there because it's in me and self-generated, because God's giving me this gift right now. Paul prays this. This is the more for the Ephesians that he wants for them. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope. Secondly, he wants us to be in our enlightened hearts the more that he has for us. He wants us to know his riches in his people. The glorious inheritance in God's people, verse 18. Now, commentators point this out. This is rather stunning. God's people are God's inheritance. It's you guys. It's you. God's people, you and I are precious to God. We are what God looks forward to enjoying forever. Of course, if we're honest about it, we let each other down. We disappoint each other. One of my pastor mentors, Keith Brown, who uh, succeeded Lloyd Ogilvie in the church I grew up in and is a wonderful preacher? I asked him one time, he, I said, Keith, you know, Keith's pastor, two, 3,000 member church, led staffs of, you know, 30, 40 people, and, and is known for his awesome leadership. And I said, Keith, any advice As a, for a pastor? He said, be prepared to disappoint people. <laughs> it's like, wow. And so we do, we will, dis- we will disappoint each other. That's inevitable, right? We're human. We're sinners. Nevertheless, right? We're never only that. We are also the glorious inheritance of God. And part of the more that God has for us is for us to see that no matter what. Doesn't mean you don't acknowledge where there's frustrations and work them through but it means even in that you see oh we are we are the inheritance god give me eyes to see this is gold you're the gold god awaken me to the gold that is around me in your people and help me to be breathless and delighted by that even as i have my frustrations too with myself and with other people and all that right of course but lord Help me to see, make me aware of your riches in your people. That's the other more, the second more he has for us that he wants to give us that has to be given supernaturally as a gift that he wants to do. Lastly, God brings us to this: his incomparably great power for us who believe. So we've got we've got hope, we've got community and His people, and we've got His incomparably great power for us to believe. This is where Paul spends most of his time here. Paul just goes on and on. He says, verses 19 and 22, listen, listen to this sentence, it's like a run-on. That power is the same as the mighty strength God the Father exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, and God placed all things under His feet. bada, 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 bada. Why so much focus on power? Well, remember we're looking at Ephesus. Remember we said last week there was a big old temple twice as big as the Parthenon in town. Ephesus was a place fascinated and riveted by the occult. There was an occult presence. There were all these names of cultic figures being invoked all the time. You know? Remember I met a guy on uh, when i was doing evangelism on capitol hill when i was in college ministry in seattle and i met a guy on the street i said what's your name and he said zephron i think somehow i don't think that was his baptized name you know what i mean like you know what i mean like i don't think that's the name you were born with zephron okay who am i really talking to here you know what i mean like you know so i mean we laugh about it but it's also a real thing there are there is spiritual warfare going on paul's going to get into that later on and it's going to give him a way of interpreting that later on in ephesians and we're going to get to that <coughs> But even with all of that, and all the names and magic arcs, and and they they employed all these people, this temple of Artemis, and it was so big. You imagine going through town and smelling the sacrifices coming out of the Artemis temple and how big that was. Paul says, "Mm -mm. God wants to give you the gift of more of himself by recognizing he's bigger, he's more powerful, he's far above all that. Don't lose your perspective. Paul does not want the Ephesians to be fooled into thinking these other powers loom larger than Jesus. What in your life feels like it looms larger than Jesus right now? What power, internally or externally, has been imposing itself upon you lately, like that Artemis temple in in Ephesus? where do you need the gift of this more of God's power in your life and awareness that God is bigger depression fear anxiety health issues a body that's failing you or failing a loved one past pains past failures or the rage in our society that seems endless and and honestly like an insatiable foreign god that just wants more you know bodies thrown in the volcano and, and can never be satisfied that's what did see playing out you know is that is that tiring any of you it tires me right any of these things can loom large and fool us into thinking they're large and in charge but they're not Jesus Christ is Paul's given them that perspective but again it's a gift it would be really hard to walk around Ephesus and feel like Jesus Christ is large and in charge <laughs> you know it doesn't feel like that in Ephesus it doesn't always feel like that here Even in our own hearts, it doesn't always feel like that, if we're honest about it. But Paul prays. Paul's prayer and God's faithfulness gives us that more in the hope we have, in the community we have, in that sense of God's power that is ours, that is a run-on sentence in Paul. Remember who's in charge. Remember the real picture. Remember what reality is hope the riches of his glorious inheritance and all the saints and god's incomparably great power it doesn't start with us it's a gift of the more god wants to give us so avail yourself to that this week go to the venues of scripture of prayer you've come here and worship may god fill you with that God inhabits His praises, sometimes singing to God or remembering a scripture or even some truth from a Christian writer you remember somewhere or leaning on each other or giving a friend a call or some place where you can remember and you can receive the gift of the more of Himself that God is waiting to give you. I mean, God is a gift-giving, loving Father. Jesus said, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And Paul prays for us to be given hope, a sense of who we are in Christ and a sense of God's power every day. May it be so for you and for me too, not naturally, but by the supernatural power of God, the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.